Hey everyone out there in the CBC universe, welcome to another episode of Comic Book Characters. Rakakuni, what would I do without you? <laughs> oh man, everything, everywhere, what's... I'm your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Alfred. And I'm Chris, the Anvil Cossidus. Comic stuff! Aw, <laughs> uh, soundy stuff as well, and a big shout out to everything, everywhere, all at once that just crushed the Oscars. Dude, I have a story about all of that that involves yeah. Twitter and a dude that writes for ESPN about the Spurs, and it's a whole thing. Uh-huh. But but I'm teasing it now. That's going to have to be for another time because <laughs> we actually have a really important guest, and I'm super excited to bring him on. We've got Nas from Casa, and Casa is Comic Arts in San Antonio. Nas, are you there? Yep, I'm right here. Nice, man. Happy to have you. Uh, Chris, I'm excited for the CBC Universe today because we're going to be talking to Nas about all sorts of stuff directly related to comics. Um, and my my favorite thing about this, uh, other than that it's like San Antonio, because, you know, we're all about repping San Antonio here. Um, you know, a lot of times, and, and look, I, I will pull back the curtain our most listened to episodes are always the movie reviews. That's kind of what mm-hmm. we're known for. That's what people, uh, they, that's where they gravitate to. Um, I famously, I think I told you we've done that Valiant comics episode and it is by far the lowest rated episode we've ever done. <laughs> um, oh, man. <laughs> but what I love about Nas is that he's bringing a comic con, a comic show to San Antonio that is truly in the thick of it, in the roots of the comic industry. And we do get a lot of um, feedback from listeners that do want more of that actual comic publishing content, and we are going to bring it to you in droves today. Uh, Nas, thank you so much for making time to come on our show. We really do appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you for calling me a very important guest. I don't know about all that, but I appreciate <laughs> you guys having me. And modest on top of it. I mean, you just can't <laughs> help but root for the guy. You're like the Johnny Gargano of oh. promoters. Okay, now you're talking my language. Johnny Wrestling, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to start calling you uh, Nazi Comp. I don't I don't know how it would work. Nazi Comics. We'll, I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll workshop it. We've got to workshop it, yeah. See, I'm telling you guys, we don't... We, there is some pre-planning to this stuff, but it's a lot of off-the-cuff. So, um, some pre-gaming. But, uh, so Nas... Can uh, we, uh, real yeah. quick, can we get some uh, socials up front for Nas? Yeah, let's do, let's do the socials up front. We'll do, of course, get them on the back end. But yeah, Nas, if you want to if you wanna let our listeners, please let them know where they can uh, reach you. We're obviously going to talk about Casa 2023, uh, where they can go for that as well. Uh, so we do have the website. So it's uh, comicarts dash sa.com and then um we do have facebook and instagram and both of those are at comic arts dot sa and then we do have a twitter as well that just doesn't get uh updated as often um but we do post occasionally on there and that's going to be under uh comic arts san antonio as well awesome appreciate you sharing that out so that is what we're going to be talking about today is Comic Arts San Antonio. We're in year two, and this, um, you know, I don't want to say too much about it, actually. Before we get into, like, the nitty-gritty and the meat of it, uh, Nas, if you, if you don't mind, can you let the listeners know 
exactly what CASA is. Yeah, definitely. So um, it's our one-day free admission uh, comic conventions coming up on March 25th. Um, it will be from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we're just trying to take um, comic conventions back to their roots. Um, everybody that's going to be there is either a comic book writer, a comic book artist, or a comic book vendor. So uh, if you've been looking for a comic convention that really focuses on comic books and comic book creators, um, we're definitely the place for you. We're trying to bring that back to the market. Awesome. And I love that idea. And I know like you've been on a few other uh, pods and stuff. And one thing that you've brought up is, you know, the bring like bringing it old school, the old like hotel um, mm -hmm. ballroom style shows. Oh, yeah. Man. Was that Chris? No, I just love those. I, I remember I have a distinct memory of going to like some holiday in somewhere in town, like on the like near Garner Middle School, I think. But it, it was like a for like a UFO convention like back in the day. Nice. <laughs> and it was just like that. It was just like in a hotel, like the ballroom, whatever. Yeah, like one of my first ones is I can remember is the uh, Crown Plaza Hotel. That's like around 410 and um, 410 and like Nacogdoches, I think it's around there. Mm kind of where like the the lubies and Fuddruckers used to be yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah i remember that exact type of thing it was just i saw it in like the newspaper and the classifiers in the newspaper little, yeah man yep. oh my god yeah one of those little tiny like square <laughs> ads square, in the classifieds man. and yeah i went in there i think i paid like five dollar admission and it was just a bunch of dudes with long boxes mm-hmm yeah and i think <laughs> i mean you know i think i feel like so many and look and, and, you know, the True Believers out there, we know a lot of y'all have come to the show through, you know, the MCU or the Warner Brothers DC stuff. And that's totally fine, you know. Um, but this is like the the true root of like the comic industry. Uh, you know, it's literally where all that stuff comes from. It's all of the source material. And, and I, I'm so thrilled to talk about all this stuff today because it, it really brings me back. And, and Nas, let me just say straight off the top, like, thank you for doing this, because um, I literally, so I, you know, some of might not know, but like, I actually have like an online um, comic retail thing going on called Collector's Cove, and I did a show just this weekend, and a guy named Mike came up to my booth, and he was like, oh my god, dude, he's like, you just, you actually have comic books, he's like, I miss those shows, where, you know, you could actually just go through some long boxes and find stuff. It's not just all about the celebrities and, and, and paying to get pictures with celebrities and stuff. Yeah. And I literally told him, I'm like, oh, boy, do I have a convention for you? <laughs> and I did. Dude, I let him know all about Casa. I took him to the Facebook page, and I was like, you got to go to this. Dude, uh, awesome. We appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So – Actually, let me ask you my first question, Nas. Um, I, I feel, and, and Chris and I have uh, talked about this in previous episodes, you know, I feel like this is the golden age. This is what I call the golden age of comic book recognition. You know, mm -hmm. when you go to a Walmart, a Target, or the mall, North Star Mall, whatever, if you're there for any amount of time, you're going to see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people with a, with a Spider-Man shirt or an Aquaman Jason Momoa shirt or Black Panther shirt from the movie. You, you People wear these things proudly when, you know, and I think you're, uh, you know, of our age, when we were kids, when we were, you know, tweens, preteens, teenagers, 
that wasn't the thing you saw, you know. No, we were we were dying for any of these adaptations. Mm-hmm. I was actually talking to my wife about this that I can't believe that I live in an age where like all of these characters that I used to read about have TV shows and movies and all this kind of stuff. Like one, I was telling her that like I remembered the early stuff, like the uh, Spider-Man '70s TV show that I used to watch on reruns. Mm-hmm. And even as a kid, I was like, man, this is horrible. Like, that doesn't look like (laughs) that doesn't look like Spidey's mask. What is that stuff that's supposed to be webbing? It looks like someone just threw a rope from off screen. Yep. That's really what they did. Yep. But yeah, we were still just so happy that we had some of this. And then now we have this we live in this age where so many of these adaptations are coming out. And for the most part, they're amazing, you know? Yeah. No. And and. I, exactly. And we, we, we've talked about this before and we have the exact same sentiment. It's like, I remember when, if you were an X-Men fan, you could like discreetly find the other X-Men fans, you know, in sixth and seventh grade, but you kind of had to do it quietly. Like it's people weren't wearing like gambit shirts, you know, or if you did, you were like the outcast, you were the nerd. Yeah. Um, every now and again, like a metal kid could get away with wearing a Batman logo. Yeah. Like Batman 89, but that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's probably when it started, right? Because there was so much marketing and merchandising on that that everybody was had some kind of Batman shirt or mm-hmm. lunchbox or Joker or something. Yeah, there's there they pumped so much money into the marketing for that, and it really was a tipping point. Um, but something I wanted to ask you, Nas, because I, I know that you know you you were a true like comic book sicko, right? Yeah. When when we look at again what is, what what I think is like the golden age of comic book recognition at least in terms of like mainstream uh, acceptance. You know, the flip side of that is that just, you know, pretty recently when The Walking Dead was still on AMC, that was the number one selling comic book in the world and it was doing about 200 250,000 copies a month. Mhm. Which sounds like a lot, and it, it is, but... But not compared to what they used to be. Not compared to the 90s. In the 90s, you had X-Men, Spider-Man, Batman, Superman hitting the million mark. Yeah. You know, and that's such a huge difference. So the question I have for you is, and is the trade-off worth it? You know, being able to experience all of these things cinematically, on TV, and yeah, there's, I mean, obviously Marvel and DC and, and you know, Dark Horse and image and all of this they all still produce comic books the physical things that we read but the the engagement is so much lower what is it worth it to you i don't know i don't know if i can say it's worth it or it's not worth it but i do wish it would swing back a little more towards the source material Mm -hmm. i wish that we could find some kind of happy medium where the people that are loving the 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 media the the tv and the the movies would then seek out the the comics so i mean like you said i am a comic sicko so i'm always gonna hope for that we can get readership up on comics even if it's never gonna go back to what it was before and and you know there's lots of reasons for that like you know we've just got so many things pulling at us Mm -hmm. so many streaming services so much social media so many things that can take our time that we're probably never going to see those types of numbers again. But if we could get more readership going, I would love that. 
I, I think that's great. Do you like what, for instance, like James Gunn is doing? Um, I don't know if you follow him on social. You probably do. Uh, but, you know, he's they're, they're embarking on this huge new project, right, with DC Studios. And yeah, one of the first yeah things, I saw the whole slate announced. Yeah. Yeah. One of the first things he did was, you know, he announced the slate, but then he literally posted pictures on Twitter and Instagram of like, here are the comics and graphic novels they're not necessarily going to be one for one, the story that we're going to tell, but this is where we're going to draw inspiration from. And then he took it one step further. He got in with the DC publishing offices and he said, make sure these graphic novels are in print so that people can find them and buy well, yeah, them. Yeah. Cause then they, didn't they sell out like crazy at Amazon and places. So Absolutely. DC had to go to, to print them again. Yeah. Which is something I wish Marvel would do. They yeah, don't. exactly. That's what I was about to say. Like, why can't there just be a mention of, hey, Miss Marvel, if you're watching this, it's a loose adaptation of you can pick up volume one by G. Willow Wilson or something mm-hmm. like that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wish they would do that, something like that, especially <laughs> that for the most part, the Marvel properties and movies have done so much better than the DC stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine the impact they could have if they just would show people that. And Chris, you were saying, yeah, there was like the uh, the only thing that got kind of close to that for Marvel was like the weird kind of symbiotic relationship from like announcing that a movie was coming out or like we're looking at this character for the next movie, and then whenever issue they were like there was their first appearance would like shoot up, but like you know in the aftermarket <laughs> and the yeah the the resale market. market yeah 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 so it wasn't again not really. They didn't really have these like uh, true believer prints. Like here's you can read uh, first appearance of Wolverine if you want. We're gonna put it back out there for like a dollar. Um, th- they do that sometimes, but not really for like the movies. It, it happened, but it was organic and kind of like a scarcity thing. Absolutely. And and then not just that, but I think it could it could even um, maybe prevent some of this backlash that you see some of the projects are getting now. So part of mm-hmm. that I don't know if it's just some people that aren't like the hardcore fans like us, you know, they're getting tired of this. Um, maybe it's part of that, but also like say when she Hulk was announced and, you know, people knew that was coming. If they would have just pointed out like, Hey, pick up the John Byrne run right. because it's, it's based on that. And if people would have had a chance to read the John Byrne run and see that all this fourth wall breaking stuff and things <laughs> like that are par- are part of that, source material then maybe there's not such a backlash when people watch it so i don't know but i think it could only be helpful if you point out the books you know for oh, sure no i think you're 100 right not only that if you're marvel you're leaving money on the table right yeah and, and like you know it's it's tricky because comics and we're, we're comic art san antonio right like it's art but that balance between art and business and making money is always tenuous at best um you know, with that, um, let's let me. I wanted to ask you this: uh, You have so many different uh, creatives at Comic Art San Antonio 2023 that are going to be there. We've got uh, Oni Press, Dark Horse, Image, Marvel, uh, and Arctic Press, DC. You've got so many different imprints represented. Mm-hmm. For you, what is an underappreciated, if if not? an imprint itself, but what's an underappreciated book that people are just not aware of that, that you want, that you wish people were more aware of. So in, uh, I'm going to be a shill for the show and for my guests, of course. So I'm definitely going to say 
um, Mosley from Boom Studios right now. Um, our, uh, one of our, yeah, one of our guests is uh, Sam Lotfi, who's going to be doing the art on that. Or he is doing the art, I'm sorry. Uh, issue 3 is supposed to drop later on this month, I think just a few days before CASA. Um, and the writer on that is Rob Guillory, if you might recognize the name. He was the artist on the Image series Chew a few years ago. Oh, yeah. That, that comic blew up real big, too. Yeah. Chew was awesome. Loved Rob's art on it. So now he's um, writing um, this series called Mosley. And like I said, Sam's doing the art on it. So I, I would definitely tell people to go pick that up. It's only a mini series, so you're not locked into an ongoing for the next you know, a year or two or something. So I believe it's supposed to be five issues. Okay. It might be six. I'd have to double check that. But yeah, I would definitely tell people to pick that up. Nice. Well, appreciate that. Uh, one thing Chris and I talk about a lot um, is that a lot of the times when we talk about what we're reading or what is at least the intention for us to read in our backlog, a lot of the books are from the independent publishers or from image. Like they're not yeah. really from Marvel and DC because like you said, uh, a lot of these stories are um, creator driven. Right. And so they're like six issues or eight issues or maybe 12, but that's kind of it. You don't have this like giant albatross of a back history, backstory, you know, with like a daredevil or a Spider-Man, something like that. And it's just easier to kind of get into. And I think as a creative, you probably have more freedom to actually just tell the story you want to tell. Do you feel that that's the case? Yeah, definitely. And I have no way of uh, proving this or anything, but I think a, a lot of the repetition that we're seeing in superhero comics, you know, especially in Marvel, where it just seems they're just uh, combining characters. There's a, a new Venom this or a Wolverine that or... Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is because creators want to save their best ideas and their best uh, character creations for their own independent creator own stuff. That's a that's a really salient point because I didn't you know think about it till just now, but you're right. Like a lot of even like um, uh, like Matt Fraction or um, I mean I'm slipping, but like Garth Ennis. Like there's so many. Uh, big names in the industry that are still doing like these side projects that are that are not related to the the established characters that they are associated with, but they're like doing their own thing. And yeah. A lot of times, I find that those stories are more engaging, and I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, all right, man. I want to kind of do like a, um, I think it's a Sophie's choice here, okay? Uh, because you're you're doing you know Casa again. It's so much about the creatives. And mm -hmm. so much goes into making a comic book, you know, exist. You've got writers, artists, inkers, colorists, letterers, editors. For you, what is the true heart of a comic book? Is it any one of those things or does it depend? Or is it a Voltron type scenario where it really is just a com collaborative effort? Yeah, it has to be, you know, it, the, I think we find the best comics, like the stuff that we remember from decades ago are where artists and writer were working together on stuff, you know, like just pops into mind. Like I think of, of Watchmen, right? Like we hear the stories of Alan Moore writing like gigantic scripts and stuff, but Dave Gibb Gibbons had to take all of that and turn it into what we see on the page and things. So yeah, I think the best stuff is always going to be collaborative where uh, 
your artist, your writer, your even your inker and letterer and all that, they're all working together to make this one package that's going to uh, stand out and make a make an impression on us. Awesome. A follow-up to that, is there a book right now that you're reading or have read recently that you feel is just like a a a 96 Bulls, you know, a 2014 Spurs, just like everyone is pulling their weight and they're just crushing it on every level from, from artist to like colorist and, and everything in between? So I, I'm going to be honest, I've been so busy with Casa that I'm way behind on my reading. <laughs> Um, Feel and I'm pain. also, yeah, so I'm behind on my reading. Uh, but what I had been reading before, like we got into the home stretch here for the show, um, I've been doing a whole amazing, uh, Spider-Man reread oh. starting from amazing fantasy 15 and I'm trying to go all the way through. Mm-hmm. So that's been really interesting to go through the years and from when it's, you know, um, Stanley and Ditko, and then you go from Stanley to Romita and then now I'm into the era where it's a uh, Len Wein just took over from Jerry Conway. Mm-hmm. And so like seeing these kind of different um, teams, you know, when now Ross Andrews on the book. And then uh, I think I just finished an issue where Sal Buscema was a, a guest artist. So like that's been really interesting to see uh, these two, these teams work together and then see how the tone changes from one writer to the next. So that's been really interesting. You know, you talk about the teams and the, the thing that comes into my mind and Chris and I, we, uh, I don't know, Chris, you might be thinking the same thing too, but it's like about being drift compatible to borrow that <laughs> phrase from uh, Pacific Rim. But when you get to, you know, like a team of people or like a duo, like a writer and an artist, and they're just in sync and they're just crushing it. Like you mentioned Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, of course. Um, then you've got the Russo's uh, up to mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. Russo's uh, on the, on the movie side. Um, You've got um, uh, Garth Ennis and Glenn, is it Far- it's Farby, right? Glenn Farby on yeah. stuff like The Preacher where they're just so in step. You mentioned Spider-Man. And I'm, so I don't know if you heard, like you might've heard my heart grow three sizes. Spider-Man is <laughs> absolutely my favorite character. Um, yeah, I think we talked about it briefly at, a, at an Eckman's show. Yeah, yes. Um, so, you know, I know that you were on Just Another Friday Night pod uh recently and you mentioned chris claremont and x-men mm-hmm. and how like chris claremont is quiz essential x-men like that is must mm-hmm. read x-men for yeah. you in regards to spider-man i know you're a spider-man fan who is a who is a must read for spider-man oh it's got to be it's got to be stan right because that's like sets all the foundations for everything that comes after like and I think I mentioned this in the, the Just Another Friday Night podcast, like trying to reread it. Um, you can't look at it with 2023 eyes, right? Because mm-hmm. everything, the way they wrote back then was so, so verbose. And they're making sure that they recap everything because <laughs> this might be the first issue that somebody picks up or stuff like that. So you definitely have to like go into it thinking, what would I have thought of this if I was reading it back then, right? Um, but yeah, you definitely have to read the first stuff that Stan wrote. Cause like I said, that just sets up everything that comes afterward. Like right now, like I said, I just, I'm in the, in the era where, uh, Len Wein took over. So it's like the late one fifties, early one sixties. And he's bringing back characters that we haven't seen since the like early Stan stuff. Like he just brought back the tinkerer that was an issue that we haven't seen since issue two. 
So like, yeah, you got to read that stuff. So because these other writers, especially now the era I'm reading, um, they grew up reading that stuff. And now you can see them bringing it back into their writing or their, um, you know, they were fans growing up and they had these ideas of like, if I ever got a chance, this is what I would do with Spidey. And you can see them putting that on the page now. I think, again, another super salient point. Uh, it makes me think of something, though, uh, the way you're talking about like how, how the writers, when they eventually become of age and get into the industry, and they talk about you know, what I would do with the character. It's almost like, to borrow a wrestling term, like fantasy booking wrestlers, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a really big part of, of wrestling culture. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know uh, on our show, we've talked about how wrestling to us is the closest thing to like live action superheroes and live action comic books in a way. Uh, not not like the movies or the TV shows, but if you take that aside and put it aside, the the thing that closest sort of mimics some of the storyline structure is like WWE and AEW wrestling. Yeah, definitely. Um, for you, who do you feel of all wrestlers, and, and it can be any promotion, if you want to go to New Japan or whatever, that's that's totally cool. But what wrestler do you think would translate into comic books, if any? Well, well, real quick, before we go to that, I wanted to finish up on the other thing. But mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I've been doing, too, through my reread is reading the letters pages. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to see how many future creators were writing in at that time. So I've seen letters from, like, Ralph Macchio, J.M. Demetrius. Like, yeah, stuff like that. So I'm just like, oh, man, oh, that's pretty cool. So definitely these were guys that were fans who later on left their mark on on the uh, the comics and on Spidey. Um, but, yeah, as far as the wrestlers, mm-hmm. let me think for a sec. While you're thinking, I just want to say you did mention James Dimiteus. Uh, you He was a guest, right, at the first Casa? Is that correct? No, he was a guest uh, when I used to work for Texas Comics. Oh, okay, my apologies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I brought him. I brought him over to San Antonio for for I don't remember. I think it was 2013, maybe 2012, mm-hmm. something like that. I mean, that's um, again. You're talking to like a real fan of Spider Man, and so the fact that you got to, I'm sure, just have conversations with him must have been truly, you know, uh, feeling like a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's something that still I'm just like, oh my god, I can't believe. I have like J.M. Demetrius's phone number in my contacts and can just like text him or email him or something like, yeah, every time when I see like some of these names and I'm like, oh, there's Howard Mackey or there's you know something like that. I'm just like, man, this is crazy. Like, how is this my life? <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about uh, Bray Wyatt. I think oh, Bray would be a good comic character. The Fiend. Well, I guess he's not the Fiend anymore, but like, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Brood? Uh, uh, well, I mean, I would say the fiend is influenced by the bird. Bird was a little more nineties. Uh, you're thinking about Edge. You're thinking about um, Gangrel. Was that his name? Yeah, that's one thing. Yeah, Gangrel. Gangrel. But yeah, very theatrical, very uh, performance based, like that. So yeah, I think that's that's good. Well, so Chris, is your answer to that question Gangrel? <laughs> no, nah, it was um, it's Val Venus, baby. <laughs> Hey man, I didn't say. I think, I think Val, Val fits in a different medium. Not I didn't say Playboy, dude. I said comic books. It's a different thing. <laughs> no, no, no. Gold Dust. I mean, oh. he's basically like Nova, right? Mm-hmm. 
There you go. Goldust is good. I was going to say Undertaker, I think, you know, yeah, has a very, um, I mean, there's literally a DC character called the dead man, right? Well, and if, and if anyone's listening and they're wrestling fans, there are, um, wrestling comics with Undertaker and Mick Foley and all kinds of stuff. Stone I believe there's still, yeah. And Triple H there's currently being printed right now. So, well, yeah, you see, in, you, you actually, by, by recommending even more stuff, brings me to the next question. The which transitions is, tonight are on point. I just want to shout it out. I appreciate it, man. I put, hey, I, I'm not joking. I'm so psyched about this episode. I've been prepping all week. I'm not, like, seriously, like, I've been looking forward to this. And Nas, thank you again. It's sincere. No problem. I am And psyched. real quick, if anyone does decide to look for those WWE comic books, if you're listening to From Boom Studios. <laughs> yeah yeah and wwe yeah you're right they do have a like literally ongoing um comic from boom studios absolutely yeah all kinds of, there's been a brock has been in um seth rollins seth rollins yeah i actually have one of the seth rollins books <laughs> um you've said in relation to wrestling uh, i think this was again uh i believe it was on just another friday night you said with wrestling you watch everything um mm-hmm. or at least you well, try to I try to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always, that's the thing. And so, you know, you kinda, you're recommending more stuff, but we kind of touched on it a little bit. When it comes to comics, one of the biggest problems that any comic fan runs into that reads the comics is the backlog. Yeah. So with definitely. comics, much like in wrestling, you said watch everything is, is the ideal situation. With mm-hmm. comics, is it read everything? And if so... Or even if it's not, even if it's read most, do you have any tips on how to actually do that? No, because I have no idea how to do that. So. <laughs> it's the blind leading the blind. Yeah, like I said, I'm doing, for some crazy reason, I decided to do this reread that's going to like be, go through, what, 60-something years, 75 years of stories. Yeah, and then at the same time, I've got my current stuff that I'm reading, so I'm reading... Um, there's a Blue Beetle miniseries from DC called Graduation Day. Um, speaking of J.M. Demetrius, he just wrapped up a four-issue miniseries called Craven's uh, Craven the Lost Hunt. Um, so yeah, like there's just always stuff, and then there's things too that I started reading years ago, never finished them. So one day I want to go back and finish them, but since it's been so long, I'll probably have to start from the beginning again. <laughs> So um, stuff like James Robinson's um, Starman from DC. Oh, that's a great um, one. Wow. Yeah, I love it. I remember that loving it. Yeah, I remember loving it. But like I said, I just probably life happened and I forgot to keep reading it. And now I need to go back. So, yeah, no, I have no tips on how to do it except just try to knock out a few every day. That's what I do. Before bedtime, I knock out like three to five issues. Chris, if if you had to guess, what do you think your backlog is right now? Oh, gee, I, I I know I can see it. It's like a one and a half long boxes. There we go. <laughs> man, it's it's tough times, man. Uh, it's it's great to have so many uh, options, I guess. But yeah. I, I I really try to limit myself to just buying like trades now. Like <laughs> you know, it's like the whole condensed run or whatever. Maybe like one part of six or something. But yeah, like I, I have so many just like individual issues that I haven't read, and, and then uh, I know half of them are like the new Runaways, and that God, I need to finish that new Runaways. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, 
But uh, yeah, no, it it just piles up. It's um, it's the same with movies, y- you know. Oh no, I no, dude. We what do you mean? We do the show all the time. We talk. About it all. <laughs> I, I obviously know. Maybe Nas didn't know, but now he does. Um, <laughs> Nas, you know, you keep talking about how you're doing the reread for for Spider Man, and you know, actually, I tried to tackle that too at one point, um, probably about seven or eight years ago. Again, starting from AF fifteen. Yeah, and I got to about I think like issue. Probably about like two forty ish. Oh, it was. Okay. I got to like the, and this is literally my favorite. I don't think I've ever said this on air. It's my favorite issue of Amazing Spider Man. It is the kid who collected Spider Man. Oh, nice. Um, I love that issue, and I think I got to like. There's an issue with Kingpin, and I think maybe the Hobgoblin right after that, and then but then I got you know life happens and stuff. And that's kind of where it stopped. I got like 200 and something issues in, but, but like, that's just a, that's just the tip of the iceberg for Spider-Man. And then, um, right now I'm actually trying to go back and read Jeff John's Green Lantern. Oh, okay. From Green Lantern Rebirth and then kind of through like Blackest Night and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Thank goodness. I read that as it was coming out, that was like right in the height when I was working at the comic shop. So at that time, I'm reading everything, you know, just to for my own reading and then just to be knowledgeable for other people that were coming in. Man, Chris, you ready for this? Yeah. Speaking of you working at the comic shop, you're, of course, referring <laughs> to Bob's Comics. Um, uh-huh. um, you know, rest in peace, Bob's Comics. But like, a, again, a pillar in the comic community of San Antonio. And you've put in the literal work. Both working at Bob's Comics and then working with Texas Comic Con, Alamo City mm-hmm. Comic Con. I believe you had your own online store uh, for a while as well. Yeah, comicbreak.com, yep. Somebody that's been so um, immersed in the culture of comics. I have – this is the question I have for you. Do you th- – how do you feel about what I call the celebrification of comic cons and comic shows over the last 10 to 15 years. Um, I'm not happy that for the most part, a lot of these shows have become pop culture shows Mm -hmm. and made the, the artist section smaller. Um, you know, at first I really did, um, like that by, by having these, um, movie and TV stars, you know, you're bringing more people in the door who, might possibly be exposed to the the comics and you know the independent creators that were there and in the artist alley and stuff uh but as the as the years went on and comic cons seemed to be popping up everywhere it just seemed like the artist sections and the comic creators were just getting uh pushed to the corner more and more so yeah definitely didn't like that part of it and that's really kind of the uh the motivation behind Casa to, to put those people back into the uh, spotlight, you know? Absolutely. I, I think I'm Chris. I mean, you can speak for yourself, but I mean, I feel like I am mm-hmm. speaking for you in a little bit and saying that like, I, that's what I appreciate about, you know, when we talked um, at that show and we talked about like, Oh man, I really want to bring you on the show because I, I have similar feelings, you know, like I am a big fan of like the MCU and all that stuff. You know, it's, it's creating new memories, you know, for instance, like my mom and I, um, except for when she was literally physically unable to, we've gone to every Marvel premiere together. And, and mm-hmm. that means a lot to me. So I don't want to make it sound like there's not value in all of that stuff. There definitely is. 
but we def we have moved away from the actual source material of comic books and what they're what they are and how they're made and all of that. And with that, I want to ask you because I think you are literally the perfect person, maybe the most perfect person I could ask this to. What is the biggest challenge getting the movie comic fan to cross over, to come over? to print, to publishing, to to broaden their horizons and look at this wealth of stories for the last, I don't know, 100 years or so of all of these characters that they might have, you know, fallen in love with through the movies or TV shows, but there's so much more still on the table. What, what, how do you do that? Shoot. Uh, I mean, I'm sure the publishers would pay me lots of money if I had the answer for that. <laughs> TM. Um, but... but uh, <laughs> But one thing I, I've always wondered, and I just, I don't understand, like, I think a lot of it could help if they would just, if they were exposed to it. Like, I wonder how many people that are showing up to the movies on, on opening weekend even know that there's a comic book or a recent comic book. Because, um, like I said, I've been in comic book shops and I had my own online business and doing this for so long, I couldn't tell you how many people have made comments like oh are comics still around or oh like i didn't know there was still like a comic shop here in san antonio or things like that so exposure to to the comics where the people are you know why aren't there those true believer one dollar reprints like why aren't we giving stacks of those away at every theater during Mm -hmm. a, a opening weekend you know or free comic book day is a great event but i feel like it's really just serving those of us who already know where the comic shops are and know about the event. Like why is free comic book day not at a movie theater or someplace where the, the uninitiated are, you know? So I think just exposing them to the, the product and letting them know that it's even out there would help a lot. I don't, I have nothing to say that except that I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think, I mean, TM, not for us, TM for Nas, TM for Nas, <laughs> uh, bringing in like those true believer or like graphic novels that are associated with the film at the movie theaters, actually having that physical presence there opening weekend, I think would do so much, not only to help the comic industry, but the movie industry. I mean, I don't know if you watch the Oscars or not, but they spent, I don't know, 60% of the time of that show talking about like theaters are back, baby. Thanks for coming back to the theaters. We've had a rough time the last three years and, and this and that. So if you can combine the two, you're, you're incentivizing people to come to the theater even more. Cause not only are they going to get the movie views, movie, movie viewing experience. They're also, no, no, gonna... no. You, you said, you said movie. Mui, yeah, okay, no, no, the Mui viewing experience and <laughs> and the the reading comic experience as well, and like you said, they can be exposed to more story, to the idea that there is so much more story out there for them. And you know, and I understand that you know maybe printing all this stuff and shipping it to movie theaters all over the country could be cost prohibitive. Then why can't we just get a a download code, a digital, you know? right? Yeah, with the movie ticket. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Something like that. That's one thing when we were talking about um, how the MCU could be um, highlighting the comics. I did like that they would hide these QR codes. Oh, the codes. Into the, yeah. And you could go read that issue, you know, but I don't know. I don't know how many people were even aware of it if they right. didn't 
uh, come across like an article online that said, hey, this is where you could find the QR code if you missed it. So maybe something like at the end of the episode, like, hey, here's your QR code to download an issue. Just something like to get it, get people to try it out. You know, a lot of those people aren't going to have they're not going to have any desire to read it. They just want to watch the movie, the show, and that's fine. But how many of those could we convert if they just were exposed to it? You know? Mm. Yeah. And all of that, I mean, um, I just saw an article the other day. I mean, like this is a whole other thing, but like libraries are, are literally, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? They are under siege. Like there are a lot of censorship issues going on. There, there's a lot of books that are trying to get banned. We need to encourage literacy in this country. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm on the soapbox here. Now. I'm a, am I on Stan's soapbox? I, it, you shouldn't <laughs> be. Like This is like... <laughs> reading is fundamental? Weren't we giving like, free pizza back in the days when we brought our... See, so we, 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 we need to bring hut? that back. And where yeah, did we get yeah. that pizza, guys? We got it at Pizza Hut, and what did they have? They had X-Men VHS cartoon, uh, VHS oh, tapes, God. and little mini comic books. Yep, and I still have both of my VHS tapes with the comics. <laughs> Night of the Sentinels, baby. I, yep. Um, yeah, I think I think Nas and, and Chris, both of y'all, uh, there's so much opportunity there that is just not happening, and it's it is a little disconcerting. And I I hope that pivots at some point. This is such an opportunistic time to do stuff like that. Um, you know, so it's the, kind of weird that it hasn't happened because, like, once the mouse was in the house, who who's better at like building brand loyalty among the little ones other than Disney, right? Yeah. Right. And the synergy <laughs> between all their stuff, yeah. Like, I wonder if they care about it or if the people like working in these departments aren't even like aware of it. Like I said, I've had so many people that had no idea that comics were still around or being published. Right. I wonder if those those are some of the people that are in charge in these in these companies. You know, it has to be like a number. It, it's a numbers thing. They see the billion dollars being hit off of like every MCU movie coming out. They're like, just just keep making more of those. Oh my god! Well, I'll tell you guys something that I literally just uh, saw like a couple hours ago was an article with Bob Iger uh, about Bob Iger. You know, obviously he's come back to Disney, and he was talking about physical media. Because uh, it's so interesting, like stuff like The Mandalorian, a lot of the Marvel Disney Plus shows, they don't exist on physical media right now. The only yeah. way you can get them is either through like The Bay or, you know, like some <laughs> some like dude's truck. Allegedly. Or mating. Allegedly. Uh, yeah, allegedly. Uh, oh, man. We, we already know that they probably listen to this. Never, yeah, allegedly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but he did say like, there's this weird idea that prevails in 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 both I imagine Disney but I think any big studio where they feel like oh if you make a physical media of a thing then people aren't going to watch the stream of it. And and it seems like all of these companies with their streaming services are so hell bent on getting those streaming numbers up even though it's losing them money that they're, they're forsaking and they're foregoing the physical media. But what Bob Iger came out and said, and I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. He said, those audiences are not mutually exclusive. And there are a lot of people that, yes, they'll watch it streaming, but they still want the physical item. They want to be able to, like, tangibly have a thing. And honestly, I'm like, okay, well, that is the right mentality, I think. And... 
I think in that case, it's a lot like what we're seeing from the video game industry that they're they don't want to to feed the secondary market. They want a piece of any time that that thing is watched, right? If I have a have it physically, I can loan it to Alfred, mm-hmm. and so you don't have to go onto their service. Yeah, and thanks, stream. Charles. I appreciate that, man. That's, that's real kind <laughs> of you. <laughs> and, what do you uh, got? and I think that's I think that's what they don't want. They don't want like, hey, we just made money off of the one purchase of that, and you know you loaned it out and other people watched it instead of them paying us to watch it. Now, again, salient point. I mean, yeah, but it's, it's, it's interesting. Are you, you know, are the pennies that they're making from the, from controlling the viewership like that? Is it ultimately going to pay off when they're losing all of the revenue from physical media? And I don't even mean just the like, like Blu-rays or DVDs. I, I mean, also, comic books and graphic novels and, and all that other stuff. Um, I feel like it all goes hand in hand. Um, I mean, that, that's, not, you know, our show is not like an economic look at, <laughs> at, at how these industries work, but it is, it is, these are, I think, questions that should be asked and considered. Um, yeah. And I don't understand. Cause I just saw a, uh, an article about how Barnes and Noble is expanding for the first time in like a decade or so because readership is up. It's like, well, why why aren't Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery like taking advantage of this? So the numbers show you that people are reading now more than they have in a long time. Why aren't you trying to get them to read your thing? Right. Absolutely. So, I, I don't know, man. If I ever get put in charge, I'll, I'll ask them what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, OK, before we close up this episode, I kind of have like a two parter question. Um, so for Casa 2023, you have a, a wonderful, um, uh, just murderer's row of guests and exhibitors. I know that you have over 50 exhibitors and you've got, like, again, we talked about representation from Antarctic Press, from Oni, Oni Press, from Dark Horse, Marvel, DC, um, mm-hmm. and, and many more. I don't, I don't think I've even scratched the surface there. Um, and I know like you've got, uh, uh, Val Merrick from uh co-creator of howard the duck right and didn't, didn't he work on man thing yeah he did a lot of the uh adventure into fear where man thing was mm-hmm. featured i lo- i'm a huge man thing fan so here's something that i don't think i've ever said on the on the pod before and we're almost 150 eps in um i've been trying to get a dvd of man thing uh which is like an early 2000s movie that i think originally aired on sci-fi channel all right are, are, yep. are you going to the wrong stores to get this man thing Dude, DVD? It's, it, it's so hard to find. I go to CD Exchange all the time. I go to Half Price Books. I go, they never have it. Like, I literally, I'm not joking. Adult Megaplex. Okay. Not, oh, I see the joke you're making. Yeah. See, I'm too into the comic thing right now. You can't, you can't be throwing <laughs> that stuff at me. Um, you, you need to jump on Amazon right now. DVD's $9.99. There I you go. I will, I'm going to do it right after the show. I, I, I was hoping to try to support local. You know, that's what I was trying to do. But I literally talked to a dude at CD Exchange. I'm not even joking. I didn't know they had the ability to do this. I said, hey, do you happen to have Man Thing in stock? And he knew what the movie was, so I was pretty excited about that. But he looked it up, and he goes, well, for this, he goes, first of all, he goes, none of the stores have it right now. He goes, the last copy we had, we sold in November of 2022. And then the copy that we got before that was in 2020. And I was like, holy crap, man. This movie just (laughs) never comes in. But... 
and I'm not going to ask you to to pick your favorite guest for this year, but who is a guest that you think people that that are that are coming to Casa 2023 at Wonderland of the Americas over off uh, Fredericksburg and uh, what like 410 I10 mm-hmm. uh, on March 25th? Who do they need to to check out? Who is somebody that is can't miss? So you already mentioned Val and his work on, you know, Man-Thing and co-creating Howard the Duck. So um, so I won't say Val since we gave him some airtime. Um, I'm going to give you two. Okay. I would say I would say as far as legend, um, people need to go talk to Anthony Tolan. Uh, Mr. Tolan is colorist, was right? a yeah, colorist mm-hmm. on pretty much every important DC book in the 80s. He was on Crisis on Infinite Earths. He was on the Green Lantern uh, relaunch. He was on the Flash relaunch. I mean, he was on all kinds of stuff. And he was there during the the days of, you know, Neil Adams and Kurt Swan and, like, all this stuff. So Mr. Tolan has all kinds of stories if you're a DC fan. Yeah, so I would definitely tell people if they're a DC fan, go talk to him. Go ask him some questions. Um, and then as far as uh, current up-and-comer, I would tell everybody to go check out uh, Chris Allen at his table. And that's, so, that's the new Black Panther artist, correct? Yes. So Chris was announced as the artist for the new uh, Black Panther series that's coming in June. And um, in the meantime, he's the artist on X-Force. And before that, he was the artist on uh, the Miles Morales Spider-Man series. I thought I recognized that name. That's where mm-hmm. it's from. I'm a big, again, big Spider-Man fan, so like big Miles fan yeah. as well. Yeah, so definitely. Chris has been doing um, work for years. He uh, got his start at Antarctic Press, you know, doing some of their books. And now Shout out he's... to Ninja High School, by the way, Antarctic Press. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and now he was named, you know, in this last class of Marvel Stormbreakers, which for anyone who doesn't know that every year Marvel um, picks – several up-and-coming artists as their storm breakers yeah so these are he was the only u.s artist uh, among the list of uh, storm breakers for this year um and he's been doing all kinds of cool variant covers um he did a moon knight uh black history month variant with blade on the cover um he did an invincible iron man variant and then he did as a big spider-man fan you uh, I'm sure you're aware of the new character, Hollow's Eve. Mm-hmm. He, he just did a variant cover with her on it. So all kinds of great stuff coming from Chris, and it's only going to be getting uh, bigger and better for him, especially when uh, his Black Panther book starts. And you, you touched on something. You kind of snuck it in there, but I think it's really important to, to point out when you were talking about Anthony is that, you know, you unlike uh, – and look, I'm not trying to paint like a super broad brush here, but – you know, the celebrity part of these comic cons, it's great. But like your interaction with these people is, is so minute. It's so brief usually. Yeah. When, and I know this for, for a fact, cause I've, I've talked to a ton of, of, of had, I've been blessed, like fortunate to be able to talk to a lot of comic creators, artists, writers over the years uh, that I've been doing this thing. And let me tell you, you said Anthony has a ton of stories. They have the best stories. They have, they're happy to talk about this stuff. They love it just as much as we do. Probably more. <laughs> yeah, and, definitely. And, I and, mean, and most, want, most, 
to get sorry, something out of it, you can actually talk to them and like have a real conversation. And, and um, so I appreciate you you pointing that. Out. And that actually, kind of brings me to the second part of that that question. Like I said we're going to end on. Um, you you brought up Stanley earlier, and for me, there is no greater storyteller in terms of comics than Stanley. Um, I got to see him. I actually got to interview him back in the early, early 2000s when I was at UT Austin. Oh, that's um, awesome. And I got to sit down and, and talk with him for a little bit, like 10 minutes. It was oh, like just an amazing experience. Um, what an amazing storyteller. Uh, I know you've spoken in other podcasts about people like Peter David, John Romita Jr., Marv Wolfman. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, really titans of the industry. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to Casa 2024. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I even know that there are some people that you're already in talks with now that I, I don't, I know you don't want to commit to anything now because obviously that's fluid. But I'm not talking about necessarily someone you've already talked to, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But who is the person for you that you would like to bring to San Antonio? Oh, a dream guest? Dream guest. A dream guest. Um. Okay. So... So I've been lucky that I've had um, I've had some great guests that I've been able to come through through my work with Alamo City Comic Con and Texas Comic Con. You know, I think I mentioned in one of the other podcasts, being such a big Spider-Man fan, when I started uh, working for these conventions, I was pretty much just bringing guests that I wanted to meet. Mm-hmm. So so that's how I brought in Howard Mackey and J.M. DeMatteis and Bernie Wrightson and uh, Jeff oh, Darrow. Bernie Wrightson, man. Yeah, Jeff Darrow and all this Wrightson. stuff. So I think um, a dream guest. So in the last podcast, I mentioned uh, a dream guest would be uh, John Romita Jr. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pick something, someone else um, from the Spidey world. Again, this this is selfish for me because I want to meet him. Be selfish, man. (laughs) <laughs> we're on a podcast but, if there isn't a more selfish thing to do i don't know what it is well i think this is i think people would also love to meet him and i don't think he's ever been to san antonio and the last time i can remember him anywhere near here was austin maybe when uh if you remember when wizard world used to have an austin mm-hmm. comic-con yeah it did. uh the artist who's done the most spider-man of any artist in marvel history mr mark bagley oh. i would love to bring mark bagley oh my god Oh, so Nas, just, I mean, one perfect answer to me, <laughs> of course. I literally, I'm not joking, today on eBay, I won a Miles Morales number one blank sketch cover that Mark did with Miles. Um, he did a, a whole headshot kind of sketch on it, and it was oh, graded awesome. and, and all of that. I literally won that today, and I was so psyched because it's an original Bagley Miles that's awesome. Yeah. I had a page of original Mark Bagley art Ooh. that I bought at that Austin Comic-Con. Um, that's back when I used to be like an original art collector. So I had all kinds of pieces. But then life happened. And I ended up having to sell like most of it. So that's one that I kind of still still kick myself and wish I would have kept. Well, you know, the thing is, um, you know, being a collector myself, I think one of the the biggest problems with with being a collector of comics, really of anything, is that uh, life happens, like you said, and a lot of times space happens. Your lack of space yeah. happens, and you have to make hard choices. But what I what I would try what I try to tell myself to to keep myself from going into a depression spiral is <laughs> even if it's original art, even if it's uh, an original art page or something like that. 
yes, they're limited, but it's not impossible to somewhere down the road, hopefully get something back uh, or something similar uh, that can evoke that same connection that you that you had or that you would want. So so don't, yeah, don't get like too you. down. It, it could happen for you still. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, space was part of the reason why I decided to sell too. Because I mean, I had all these great art pages, but they were all tucked away in a portfolio. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, this they deserve to be out there with somebody else who might be able to frame them or hang them or something. Oh man, framing is so expensive. I've started to try yeah. to frame stuff, and ugh, it's <laughs> yeah, I prohibitive. Have, yeah, I have four pieces left. That's all I have. I have a. Uh, Two Mike McComb pages, uh, one from his new Avengers run with the hood. Nice. Um, one's an, uh, an astonishing X-Men page. Um, I have an amazing Spider-Man uh, Umberto Ramos page. Nice. And then a Ryan Stegman Superior Foes of Spider-Man page. And those were the only four I kept. Nice. I love Superior Foes of Spider-Man, by the way. That is another great read. For yeah, I loved that one. It was so good. <laughs> okay well uh naz uh naz Rodriguez, thank you so much for coming out before you before we leave uh can you throw everyone your socials again and also where they can find casa 2023 on march 25th yeah definitely so um facebook and instagram you can find us at comicarts.sa or if you just search for comic arts san antonio we should pop right up uh same thing with twitter it's going to be under comic arts essay, uh, underscore essay and then you can go to the website for all the information. Uh, just in case we have any kind of cancellations or change of plans, we will post it on our socials. We'll post it on the website. And the website is uh, comicarts-sa.com. And um, the event will be March 25th at Wonderland of the Americas, which is at 4522 Fredericksburg. It's right there at the corner of uh, Fredericksburg and 410. And it will be from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And uh, just in case uh, people didn't catch it at the beginning, how much is that going to cost them? Free admission, free parking. Absolutely free. San Antonio Mm -hmm. loves free. So you all do not have an excuse. We know how much you love free. Um, Thank you so much for coming on us. We really appreciate it. We'll definitely have to bring you in uh, on a future episode. And we can talk about whatever. I mean, it's been yeah, such definitely. a such a pleasure. Thank you so much. No, thank, thank you all for giving me the chance to talk about the show. I'm really hoping we can get the word out and people enjoy what we're trying to do. And that way we can keep doing more of them. Absolutely. I, we wish you the very best, uh, all the success in future shows. And let's see if we can get Mark Bagley in. <laughs> down the road i'll be I, I this is cliche and corny but you know i'll be first in line you know just, <laughs> all right <laughs> uh but with that this fortress of posititude is closed remember everyone i'm a comic fan myself <laughs>